Today is the Q&A session that followed the message on Philippians 1.27, and there were six questions. Number one, when the Bible says to serve others and put their needs ahead of your own, how do you avoid becoming a doormat? Number two, what if you try to reconcile with the person, but they won't repent? Number three, is it necessary to always confront someone who sins against you? Number four, how do you bring a person to repentance? Number five, is it necessary that we be friends with each other just to have unity? Isn't it possible to be right with someone and be unified, but still, for whatever reason, you just don't hit it off as friends? And number six, what is the meaning of peace? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Okay, so how do you avoid being a doormat in trying to reconcile a relationship where you just let somebody walk on you and take advantage of you in a way that's not really loving to them? The key there is... What's most beneficial to them? If you let somebody just continually sin against you without repentance and you don't deal with that, that's not necessarily loving to them to let them do that. If you're dealing with someone who is a fool so that they, 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 you know they're always going to argue. Every time you talk to them, they're just going to argue. They're going to blaspheme God. They're going to disobey God. It's just going to be more occasion for them to sin, guaranteed. Once you get to that point in a relationship, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is put some distance and don't keep giving them occasions to just keep sinning. So there is that point. However, I don't think we need to worry about being a doormat in the sense of people taking advantage of us because we keep forgiving them if they're repentant. Because the Bible says if somebody sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times says, I repent, forgive them seven times in the same day. So um, doormats aren't bad. You know, doormats are really good things. You know what the first century equivalent to a doormat is a foot washer, right? Which is Jesus. He made himself a doormat on the night before he died. And so um, we don't want to let people walk on us in a way that will not be loving to them. But we don't want to just say, oh, I've got my rights. I'm not going to be um, insulted. Um, that's not That's not the Christian yeah, repent. So if they're if they're unrepentant, you try to bring them to repentance. If they still refuse to repent, then you shake the dust off your feet. And you move on to someone else. Yeah. That's what. Not even God is reconciled to everybody, right? Uh, not to unre- unrepentant people. So, Sherry. No, I don't think so. If somebody hurts your feelings and then you can deal with it, you they don't think they did anything wrong, you go home, you, you, you work it out with God, and now you're okay, you really are okay, then Scripture gives us the freedom to overlook certain sins. You can overlook stuff. But if you overlook something, you have to actually overlook it. And actually overlooking means it doesn't affect the way you see that person. It doesn't affect your feelings towards that person. It doesn't affect the way you look at them and think about them. You don't look at them through the lens of that sin. If you can't get there, then you need to go to that person and work it out. Try to deal with it. But if you really can, it's like, yeah, I love you. I just, you know, I'll overlook it. Then, praise God. God does that to us a thousand times a day. Okay, so how do you bring someone to repentance? One answer, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Romans. So so that's true. That's, that's exactly right. Another one is the gospel. We present the gospel to them. The gospel has power 
to change a heart, you give them scripture. I was counseling someone recently who was an unbeliever, and they came and they, not, not not a believer, and I said, "Well, let's just let's just look at the scriptures, you know." So we just started going verse by verse through First John, week by week. Just First John. This, here's what this means. Here's what this means. That's all I did. And then last time we met, she bowed the knee and gave her heart to the Lord. And that's just the power of scripture. I didn't have to talk her into anything. You know, it's just the power of scripture. So give them the gospel. Uh, pray for them because it's only God that can soften a heart. So uh, show them God's kindness. Show them what God is like. Pray for them. Live a life worthy of the gospel that they can see it. Um, give them the gospel. Give them the truth. Pray for them. Uh, that's the short answer. The long answer is the whole sermon I preached on how to bring someone to repentance in Matthew 5. So you can dial that up on food of your soul if you want some more. So. Yeah, show them the law. Show them the commands of God. This is what God commands. This is what he requires. Uh, he has wrath against people that disobey this. Yeah, that's a that's a very important thing in Scripture to do. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think, you know, building friendships is an important part of maintaining unity. There's a couple pieces to that. One is you don't want to be at odds with somebody. And you can you can not be at odds and not be close friends, right? You can, I mean, there's people that, there's some of you that I don't, I don't know you really well. You probably wouldn't count me as one of your close friends. And yet there's nothing between us. We're just, we're, our relationship is fine. So, so that, that exists with most of the people in the church. But the friendships, don't be too quick to throw friendships away when they go south. south. Try as much as you can to rescue friendships. Now, sometimes you do have to let go of a friendship. Sometimes it's just it's just logistics, you know, like two buddies or buddies, and then one of them gets married, and then it's just not the same kind of thing. Or or some, your your life just you, you know he starts moving in this direction, you start moving in that direction. It's just not really doesn't really fit to keep spending hanging out. And you don't have to keep maintaining a friendship the rest of your life just because it exists. So sometimes there's a reason for that. But if it's because of a conflict. Friendship shouldn't break up because of that. So work hard. And, you know, friendships are uh, burdensome, cumbersome, time-consuming, taxing. Um, we, Our individualistic culture is kind of low on friendships. A lot of you, if I ask you, how many how many really close friends do you have? Uh, hold up the number of fingers. Um, I don't think very many people would have to hold up two hands. I, I, most of us, there's just not a lot of those really, really close friendships and that's to our detriment i think um i think we would do well as a culture to cultivate more of those all of you guys i would love to see you at 12:30 at the men's meeting you know at the at the at the men's huddle um that's that's the, one of the big reasons purposes for this uh men, the whole men's ministry and especially this meeting is to to start that off and so if you go and you think well all it is is food i can get food you know at mcdonald's and then there's uh you know <laughs> Harry is providing the food, so. Uh, uh, it, but but if you think, well, you know, I can get food, I can get, you know, I, uh, I can get the news on the announcements about what's going on, and it's not, you know, I don't think the activities are that. If you just think that, just like, no, no, this is just an excuse. All that stuff is just an excuse for us to be together for a while in an afternoon, in a in a fun setting where we can start to build some friendships. And if you don't need that, there's another guy that does need that with you. And so you need to be there uh, if you can. So, uh, so, yeah. So we, usually we, people think, well, peace is the absence of war. Um, <laughs> peace, like peace in the Mideast. The standard for peace in the Mideast is, 
It's like, if we can get them to cease fire, like pretend to cease fire for like a half an hour, we've achieved peace. You know? <laughs> uh, no, that's not peace. Um, cause, because it's not, you're right, peace isn't the absence of anything in Scripture. It's the presence of something, right? It's, it's oneness of relationship. Um, that's peace. That's real peace. And uh, if we want to say, well, I'm at peace with him because we have a truce. That's not peace. That's just putting your conflict under the rug. Peace is a proactive thing, and it moves closer to each other. Yeah, well, sometimes that happens. That's why Scripture says, live at peace with all men as much as it depends on you. Because there's sometimes when, if they won't cooperate, it's not totally in your power. Not even God is at peace with everyone, right? <laughs> and so it's not totally on your side that the responsibility lies. So you make every effort to live at peace with all men, and then you leave, if they if they won't cooperate, you just you just leave that up to God. And there are some people that they're just they're going to pick a fight. You talk to them, they're going to turn it into a fight, hundred percent chance. You know, they just they're just argumentative or belligerent or whatever. And when you, when you get with someone like that, sometimes the most honoring thing you can do to Christ is stay away. Don't create, don't put them in another context where they're going to sin some more. Uh, but that shouldn't happen within the, a, a church body. If it's the same body and you've got a situation like that, you need to come to the elders or deacons or somebody, come to the leadership and we can help, we can, you know, get in a room together and sort that out. It shouldn't happen. Two, two repentant sinners, that shouldn't happen. And so we're going to see that in chapter four. He's, Paul's going to go after Iodia and Syntyche and say, okay, someone else, sit in with them and let's get this thing together. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.